0: So I definitely got dropped into a multidimensional space with Aya and it made me pretty much lose it. I didn't know how to process it. um, And I moved to Central America for two years and didn't know how to really take it on. But it was um, just seeing so many layers of the universe at once and infinite amounts of beings and creatures and spirits and layers and kind of having this understanding that aliens and ETs and all these spirits, it's not some far away thing, like we're all kind of living in this multidimensional web together.
1: Welcome to Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast interview show that me, your artist friend, Chris Dyer, does to interview his super awesome, interesting artist friends. Today, I'm interviewing my good old friend, Ashley Spiro. She has been this really interesting artist that has come to a couple of my retreats in the jungle and we've become friends. Uh, over these years, and this week, she is spending some time in Kilmana, in my land here, in uh, close to Lima, Peru. How are you doing, Ashley?
0: Hey, Chris. I'm doing great.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. T- tell me a little bit where we are right now.
0: Um, we're at your awesome space, surrounded by flowers and cactus, and this awesome retreat space that you're building, and. I was super psyched to be the first artist residency and come paint my paint juju on this awesome wall here. And
1: Yeah, thank you. It's, yeah. Uh, basically right now it's still far from being a, a, a retreat space or community spot. Right now it's my family, retirement home that I come every winter to spend just time with my parents, but you know, as somebody who has a lot of awesome artist friends, my dream is to bring all my artist friends, and you're the first one. Woo! Yeah. So stoked! And so far, you're doing an amazing uh, job on this uh, little mural piece. You're not done yet. You'll finish this afternoon before you fly back home tomorrow. So thank you so much to start with this. Yeah. I uh, hope you had a good time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a. We've gone through quite a journey these past few weeks, and it's been really. Beautiful and enlightening and ups and downs and highs and lows and amazing journey. Yeah,
1: yeah. well, thank you once again for simply by, by, by painting this, but also for just being my friend, especially at a hard time like I'm spending through these last few weeks. Uh, but we won't get into that too much. Let's keep it iry and happy as usual. So let's start with some basics. Please tell me what is your art about? You're like a really interesting, weird crazy kind of person and your art comes as an explosion of energy what is it all about
0: um i've been channeling shapes and symmetry since i was really young and it started as just a way for me to process the world and i just uh, i started making symmetry in my sketchbook when i was going through hard times when i was a kid and it just kind of carried me through and it's just evolved and Um, definitely at the beginning it wasn't about like being an artist or really anything to do with that. It was just my way to take the world and put it in a way that made sense to me. Um, and it's very much channeled. Um, I think for me it's the more I can just flow and not let my headspace get into it and kind of flow through my heart, the more, um, it, it touches me and I hope that it touches others as well. yeah, it's definitely a channeling of color and shape and form. And I've spent, you know, the majority of my life doing it. And it, it kind of feeds through. It's art and it's it's so much more than that. It's like how energy moves and my way to figure out color and how color interacts with the world and how emotion interacts with the world. Um, and I think that's what we're all trying to do, just figure out how our energy interacts with everything and it's just my way to do that.
1: Nice. Uh, You're mentioning the word channeling that some people might not understand. What does channeling mean?
0: To me, channeling is something that comes from other places and uh, it moves through me. So I kind of feel like in this space, it's like a deep meditation. So I become like a hollow vessel for, for things to kind of just come through and move. And I know that Um, Some of the beings and spirits um, come through me from other places. I'm not going to try to put my finger on exactly where those places are, but they feel ancient and futuristic and from all different realms and fairies and gnomes and ETs and plant spirits are really big for me. I've worked with a lot of different plants and I feel like the more I work with different energies in the world the more they kind of move through and become a part of my paint process.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, it seems from the conversations I had with you that your each painting you do has a specific code which is about healing somebody and then the person that buys that painting uh, interacts with that specific code that you've created. Can you tell me a little about that?
0: I'm just kind of learning about that, but it's really interesting because I feel like certain people are so drawn to one painting and I kind of have like an intuition for it. Like there's some sort of healing that someone is looking for. And I've had a lot of people buy my art that are like, this is so weird. I've never bought a painting before. They don't really, some of them, you know, aren't familiar with visionary art. They just feel called to the color combination in some way and I hope that that serves as a personal portal to their healing and I I believe in some sort of divine framework and multi-dimensional web and I believe that everything everything you do and all your intentions are all woven together so I really believe that these pieces are meant to go to a certain place and I'm just kind of I'm doing the work, but I also feel like it's kind of just moving through me and I'm just like trying to be as open and accepting as I can to let what needs to go to the different places go give healing to where it needs to go.
1: Yeah, super nice. that makes
0: sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. I
1: hope that every painting yeah. you do is uh, specific uh, medicine for the person that receives it. I hope so so what's your relationship with insects and this is a two-parter what's the difference between insects and cell phones
0: oh you're gonna bring it back to that one so (laughs) this is a very particular um plant journey i had with ayahuasca where she put me into the insect kingdom and the beginning of the experience was about I had all these insects coming and, like, working on me and doing surgery and, like, all these different insect kingdoms. Um, And I had a past life journey where I was this older woman and she would speak through the insects and the insects would speak to her and they would fly off and gather information and come back. And I had this kind of revelation. I've always been one that was, like, really against technology. Like, it took me a long time to accept it um it always kind of turned me off it felt like it was fake and i was like the last one to get a cell phone and i was just like i feel like this is a bad vibe and slowly i've realized that you can transmit healing through this and there is a way to use technology for good so that's been a slow and potent revelation but um i i had this moment where the sound of the insect sounded just like the buzz of technology it was like um, and the vibration that the cell phone was giving me was so similar to what the insects were showing me. Um, and so really what I got from this one experience was that like, it's okay. Like it's part of the divine plan. Like there's a vibrational energy that's in alignment with all that is, that is in technology. Um, so really and also a big message from that was the addictive nature of technology how it is something that is huge in our culture right now of people needing to like look at their phones and it's a big plague on us so a really big transmission i got from that is to go and like listen to the insects for all the time you spend staring at your phone go listen to nature it will like reset you so that, like, tweakiness and that, like, uncomfortableness of staring at your phone. Like, go out and, and just listen to the sounds of nature for as long as you spend staring at your screen. And hopefully those two things can kind of balance each other out and we don't become a bunch of tweaky creatures. <laughs> yeah, like it's a really the balance, the balance. is
1: Very cool. Yeah. So if you got the ability to, like communicate with insects and uh, listen to these gnomes or little creatures that then like get into your paintings. Would you say you got some degree of psychic powers? Uh, What's the psychedelic world of Spiro? Don't be afraid to say your truth.
0: I'm still coming to grips with that. And I I mean, I do have very tuned in. um, I've spent pretty much my whole life on the plant medicine journey and the spiritual journey like it's always been a part of my radar um, I was blessed to have my aunt and uncle who do peyote ceremony when I was really young so that was brought into my life um, I was an herbalist I've always been into like collecting different plants and making medicines from different plants and I just have looked at plants as like the ultimate spiritual teacher always and so whenever there's something in my life that has a lesson to teach me. I always go back to the plants. Um, so yeah, I think I've definitely developed those, those skills and that like innate energy. Um, I think it's still growing and I think it's something that is important to just be conscious of the way that we're putting out there into the world. And, uh, And constantly be on the path of growth and discovery and constantly be open. Because as soon as you're sure that you're a psychic or you're sure that you're a healer or you, like, think that you know something, the universe is going to come in and, like, chop your feet from under you and put you back into the abyss where you're like, I don't know anything at all. Mm -hmm. So as much as I fine-tune these skills and I get to these these peaks in my life where I'm like oh my gosh I understand this all fits together and I can hear these spirits and these creatures and um, there's always there's always room for developing and finding new ways to process and but I do have a lot of spirit guides so they're helping me on this journey
1: beautiful it seems like every time we get to a certain level of evolution or spiritual path the spiritual path itself humbles us to know that we ain't we ain't shit, and there's so much more to go through. Absolutely. I, I remember one night, I think like after the third or fourth uh, ayahuasca ceremony of the the retreat we just did, you got a big connection with your alien tribe. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your connection with aliens?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Is that a hard question? Um.
0: No, but I definitely, okay, so I definitely got dropped into a multidimensional space with Aya, and I had been there before, um, and I had been dropped into this multidimensional space in my early 20s, and it made me pretty much lose it. I didn't know how to process it, um, and I moved to Central America for two years and didn't know how to really take it on, but it was um, just seeing so many layers of the universe at once and infinite amounts of beings and creatures and spirits and layers and kind of having this understanding that aliens and ets and all these spirits it's not some far away thing like we're all kind of living in this multidimensional web together it's just as we evolve we're starting to see each other more and more like the veils are getting thin and I also see it as kind of like you're here and there's like infinite doorways on every direction and you can kind of sway and like move in and see these beings and these spirits and then you move in and see these and it kind of gets wider and wider um and yeah it's it's just an infinite and I think to where it used to be kind of scary at this point, it's just like, wow, there's infinite possibility out there. And we have a lot of things that we are dealing with as humans on the planet in this 3D world that we really need to pay attention to. Um, Our earth and our planet and Pachamama, like that's our planet and that's our earth and that's why we're here and that's our focus. But also there's like an infinite layered multi-dimensional world of energies that we've only begun to like scratch the surface of. like we we have so much potential in our growth. Um, so, yes, saving the planet is is what we should all be a hundred percent focused on right now. and also feel supported that there's infinite other layers and beings and energies that are on our side to do that um, and feel, you can call on your spirit guides and you can call into the other dimensions and we all have our own connection and special powers to tap into different entities that can help us along the way
1: Mm -hmm. that's so cool i i always envy people like you that can see further past the physical plane um it seems like a gift, but it also seems like a curse because when you're young and you don't know what's going on and you're seeing all these things past the physical plane, it might make you feel a little like you're, you're going crazy. And when you tell normal people, um, it's just kind of like a, a hard thing to grasp or to explain and people might even judge you or might say that, you, that you're crazy. Um.
0: Yeah, and you know, I've always been kind of like the weird one and out there and I didn't always speak my opinion I think part of the reason why I felt like I was crazy wasn't because I was talking about these things it's because I wasn't talking about these things Mm -hmm. because I was staying quiet and I wasn't speaking my truth and I wasn't standing in my power Um, and I think that's something that we can be aware of as artists and as creatives like we're here to empower people we're here to make like imagination is something really interesting to me because we all have imagination and how much of your imagination is truth and how much of it is abstract and I kind of it's all black there's no black and white everything is all swirling around all the time so like believing in yourself and believing in in others and just expansion instead of squishing things just keep believing and keep imagining and creating your own reality and more portals will open up for you and more possibilities will open up for you and the world will become bigger and brighter
1: beautiful yeah Yeah. that's great message i think like uh, more people should believe in a world past the little you know realm that we can perceive in the physical plane and uh as you can, as you just said, there's just so many dimensions and aspects and portals past what we can see, and uh, to be able to capture that and to bring it onto paintings is uh, our gift or our service to humanity as visionary artists or whatever label you want to throw on it. Now, from knowing you, I can see you are a very erratic kind of painter who, who can't just well, I don't know if you can't, but you don't seem to focus on one painting. You start a painting, you mess around, you let it go. You go to the next one, you mess around, you push things around, you let it go. You jump onto the next one and so on. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your process in painting.
0: Well, it's going back to that channel and just like staying with the flow of energy and as much as I can like not let my thoughts get in the way of it, like as much as I can just feel the flow of energy moving and just kind of let it happen and let it flow and, and feel it out. I mean, sometimes I pick a color because it's the color closest to my hand. And I use as much of that color as happens to dump out on the palette. And I use whatever brush I grab out of the thing. Like It it's, it's.
1: It seems like you don't think about it. In so the
0: moment, I really try to stay in the moment. It's my meditation practice of like staying focused in the moment. And the more that I, I'm an overthinker. And without painting, I'm a huge overthinker. I will sit there and decompress and, and dissect everything and pull it apart into little tiny pieces. And when I'm painting, my mind just gets quiet and everything becomes more clear and I'm feeling from my heart and I'm able to, like, take in the world. The world has always been so overwhelming for me. Like, everything about the world, even when I was a kid, I didn't know how to handle it. I was just like everything was always too overwhelming. But being able to like take in those things through moving them through my body and figuring out my emotions and having them come out just makes everything feel calmer and clearer and I'm able to express myself and without having to um, explain I guess, yeah.
1: So it seems like uh, art is your medicine for yourself, but it's also the medicine you offer others once they buy it or take it into their lives.
0: A hundred percent. I mean, I made art for like years, six or seven years, like living in a mud hut. I lived in a mud hut by myself without power and electricity. I lived in a teepee. I lived in Central America. Like I made art for so long just because I needed to heal myself. It wasn't about Like, who's going to buy this or what do I do with it? I just, like, I needed to figure out where I stood and what I was just healing for myself. And so then to discover, like, took me kind of a while to be like, oh, other people like this? Like, this can heal other people too? That's cool. And that kind of, like, started my journey of really, you know, making art.
1: So cool, huh? So great when you can double down on healing for you and healing for others. Since others are ourselves.
0: For sure. And I think the different mediums, like I went to school for metal sculpture. Mm -hmm. So the first art I did was like no colors and it was like heavy and manual and it was like the energy I needed to get out. So I feel like having that transfer to painting and color and it just makes me think of like dance and like any any practice that anyone does in that way of like moving energy through and
1: sharing it. Beautiful. And now that you paint, what mediums do you use?
0: Mostly acrylic. I've been getting into oil, um, but I always paint on wood. I've always like felt a connection to wood. My grandfather was a wood woodcarver. Um, and I've always just, my house is made out of all wood. And there's something that's like alive about the piece of wood. I feel like um, when I first started making art, it was about bringing out the soul of the wood and the spirit. Like wood is, was a tree and this tree had a spirit. So if I'm bringing through these spirits and paint, like I have to trace it back, like the wood I'm painting on and the brush I'm using and you're, it's all a spirit. And you're all interacting with different spirits. So
1: I love painting on wood too. And my first paintings when I got out of school was on uh, broken skateboards which was both wood but wood that had been utilized by you know people who were having adventures with this plank of wood and then when I paint on it it would bring all this amazing energy out of the combination of human and the nature spirit that hopefully we can you know keep forever. so you you don't you uh, I know you use a little bit of markers uh, on your on your on your paintings. What's your what's your pr- perspective on markers?
0: It's pretty new. I actually um, shout out Gavanger. Um my roommate, used them a lot, and so I started dabbling with them. And yeah, I think they're a great tool. I don't know. I've been trying to be more open because I went to art school, and so. Art school was different from the visionary art world. Like, they hated symmetry, which is funny, because I, like, do symmetry. But I was very, like, traditionalist in my practices and, like, you know. But now I feel like I'm, like, you know, whatever whatever new medium comes up, that's fair to use. And so, yeah, why not try everything? Yeah. But you would use it on a
1: canvas, but not on a mural?
0: Um you know, I'm pretty new to them. So I'm kind of just like figuring out where they fit and where they don't. But more often than not, I do feel like I can't get that. The feeling of a brush on a surface is something I just love so much. And I haven't found like that tactile. And for me, it kind of comes back to like the feeling of it sometimes more than the final product. Mm -hmm. Like it's about like, if I'm transmitting the best energy that I can transmit it's like how does that that brush feel on that wood how does it glide how does it move how does that color look or um, just the
1: personality of the line work that you can do with a brush where you can go from thin to thick right, and round it out
0: right it's like that flow and so I yeah I All like right. brushes better
1: Nice, me too. Yeah. Uh, But sometimes markers can bring that little bit of a detail that's just quicker than using a brush. Sure, sure. You told me that you live in a cabin in nature in North Carolina. Tell me a little bit of where you live and what's your dreams for that place.
0: Um, So I landed myself in this epic, beautiful little wood cabin on a couple acres in the mountains of western North Carolina. And I, it just feels like home, I love it. Um, It's this old wood cabin with a river running next to it. And I've had dreams since I was like 10 or 11 years old of having a sculpture garden. I've always wanted to have this like epic sculpture garden. And also I was, uh, I traveled around doing artist residencies and farm work when I was younger. So I would go to all these different places um, my parents also, like, took in exchange students and kids. So I've always felt this calling to, like, create this space where people could come and feel supported and feel inspired um, and have some free space to create. And so I've I've always known that was a part of my path. And it keeps being more and more kind of clear where I'm going with that. And, yeah, um, psychedelic sculpture garden slash healing space, um, I want to have international artist residencies, I want to bridge, you know, world communities, because kind of our scene is really big in the U.S. when there's so many other super, super talented kids around the world that could benefit from coming, and um, yeah, I it's really similar to your vision here. I think we have very similar visions, and being able to host workshops and retreats and just have that art transcends the canvas like it's how you live your life
1: right it becomes a community it's
0: how you decorate it's like your whole space you're calling in these different energies like I know I'm moving around the space in my house and I'm like okay this painting portal needs to go here and this sculpture has to go here and it's a way of beyond just moving energy through me onto the canvas, it's about moving energy in the world into different things and you can use that. And I always feel like my sculpture is like an acupuncture for the earth. Like the sculpture kind of goes and it's this totem um, and it holds a certain energy and it helps to heal and move through. And um, yeah, and I hope to have other sculptors. I'm really, really excited It's been 10 years um, since I got a sculpture degree, and it was so hard to bring this medium through because it's heavy, and I was always a traveler, and I'm, like, starting this new chapter of being able to do sculpture again, and I think, you know, visionary art sculpture is not a very, it's, I think it's a new, like, art in public spaces, you know, in the park. Um, and in nature, where people can interact with it, and I'm really
1: totally passionate about that. Have you been to COSM yet?
0: Um, I went to the Hall of Sacred Mirrors in New York City. I stumbled upon it by accident when I was in college. Um, and yeah, but I look forward to visiting COSM.
1: Nice. Well, yeah. I, I'd say... My future dream for this place, not that it's anywhere close to me because right now it's my parents' retirement place and I'm not about to stomp into their situation. But like eventually, as you know, this is something that goes into the future with myself, it's the same as, as you, like a place for community, for getting together, for doing art, for healing, for ceremony. And uh, I myself, have been inspired on what uh, Alex and Allison have been doing out there in cause them. Their thing is a, at a larger scale. Like I, you know, I'm not trying to like do the biggest thing. I just want to do a little offering as you also. And as you say, we can do a painting and then our life is our painting. But then our life transcends just our life. It transcends the people we meet and the community that we create, bringing people together, creating a bigger, bigger painting. So I think these uh, spaces are very necessary um, uh, offerings for the healing of humanity as we move into the future. Um, So tell me a little bit about your path with plant medicine. You told me that your uncle was a peyote shaman, right?
0: Yeah, he was a medicine man and my aunt and uncle practiced Native American church. So I got to be exposed to that when I was really young. Um, And I guess that kind of set the trajectory, but I think it was just always anytime like something like that was brought into my view, I always just felt so at home before it was like really in like the festival scene was a little bit different because I felt like it, it didn't have the same sort of container. So that was like an interesting thing to navigate how it was different and seeing these different plant medicines used in that way. Um, but yeah, plant medicine, I mean, I worked as an herbalist. Um, I sold my art at herbal conferences. Uh, the Western North Carolina mountains have so much herbal medicine. So, and so what's many, an herbalist?
1: Like, I don't know what an herbalist is.
0: Um, someone who takes plants and makes tinctures and makes, um, like, Traditional folk herbal medicine, not just for psychedelic use, but just for general health.
1: Some kind of witchery.
0: Yeah, witchcraft.
1: (laughs) Modern witchcraft.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's taking responsibility for your own health. It's, you know, our Western medicine system is is pretty messed up. Like, it's awful. Like, pharmaceutical and big pharma and the way people take a pill for things it's so off track for where we need to be as humans right now and there's such a vast array of plants for everything in your body like if you start to study herbs they look like the organs that they affect like walnuts are good for your brain and um, you're putting me on the spot to like you know have specific herbs but it, it's it's just a really infinite amount of knowledge and it's a lost art and there's a lot of people, I think it's, it's having a huge rise right now. I hope with corona, it's having a huge rise. People are taking some responsibility for their health and learning about the plants in their area. Like, they're at home, so I hope they're in their gardens and learning what plants call to them and, like, trust that. like
1: Boost their immune system.
0: Intuition and plant knowledge are the same. Like, you can sit there and read a textbook of this plant does this, and I take it this many times in this dose, but, like, it's really, they speak to you. Psych- psychedelic plants are not, or just the flower that's sitting on your shelf in your house, like, plants speak to you on an energetic level, and if you can, the more you practice it, the more they'll speak to you, and they're our allies. They've been here way before we were, and they'll they'll be here long after we're gone, and plant vibrational energy is just here to help us, and so...
1: Well, I know you don't like this term, the curandero or the curandera, uh, but it sounds like you're a curandero of some sorts who uses the the medicine of nature to bring it to the people so they can heal from nature. And I know that's a very, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe intriguing kind of term or very South America term, but it's...
0: I know, noticed <laughs> that I'm still young. Like I'm mature in my path because I've studied really hard, but like to... A true plant medicine person has dedicated their entire lives. And I think that's where the elders come in. So, yeah, as an elder, yeah, I think I'll have like a very vast knowledge. And I think it's important to keep learning and keep growing and learning from people that know more. And, yeah, I I hope to offer medicine in those ways. Um, And, yeah, time will tell what exactly, you know, I think... The words shaman and cutandero and ayahuascaro, I honor that culture so much. Um, it's It's constantly changing and I just think with plant medicines coming in to the states, it's time for us to reevaluate. It's time for us to be really conscious about where we want these things to fall. It's time to have a level head about them. It's time to have the balance of the masculine and the feminine, the cactus and the vine, which you that's been a huge, you know, our journey these past few weeks, a, a huge theme for me as in my soul and as a person has been working with um, peyote cactus medicine and wachuma cactus which medicine which is very male, which is more masculine and working with the vine ayahuasca, which is very feminine. It's really helped guide me in my own path. And I believe we all have elements of the masculine and the feminine and plant medicine can help balance this um, a lot. And I just I I think it's a really poignant thing coming up in our society right now. And I think it's something that is imbalanced in in so many levels of our culture. Like there's so many imbalances um, and we're learning we're learning. We're all learning how to figure that out um, and start, you know, gender identity and the roles of men and women. And I think in our generation, it's just been something that constantly comes up and we all just are trying to stay open and do the best we can and um, have all have voices heard and. There's so much to be said that it's hard to say. There's right. so much to speak for it on this topic. Like it's just—it's so.
1: Seems like every decade, or even every—you said generation, but generation is what defined every decade or two—has new lessons, new uh, vocabulary, new yeah. ways of approaching. Yeah, these and we're things. we're
0: tearing down the patriarchy right now. Women's empowerment is at the forefront of our society. Like, that is what we've been working on. We're tearing down the patriarchy. It it has so many dark fingers twisted around our world, and we're tearing that up, and we're breaking it down, and feminine power is rising, and then it's time to heal the masculine. Right. It's time to go into the masculine wounds and heal the masculine. And um,
1: Right, because it seems like... Like, it's it's good to tear down the masculine in order to rise the feminine, but sometimes it seems like it well, also goes out of balance. Well, it's not tearing down, mm-hmm. it's
0: just exposing darkness, like, exposing truth. But and sometimes
1: we crush the masculine in order to rise the feminine, but it should, like, we're trying to find that balance between where both can be at the same level. I don't know. It's empowering. about
0: crushing it. It's just about, like, showing those shadows. Like, we've had so many things swept under the rug and been in shadow and voices unheard. And every every woman has felt unheard at some point in her journey. She's felt unheard, and she wasn't able to speak her voice. And we need to heal that. It's a huge wound, and the the feminine... And the softness and the healing that comes from that is something our society really needs. And I also think the feminine is about raw expression and emotion and getting to just speak and getting to move that energy through where I feel like masculine energy is a bit more about like taking the space and stepping back and trying to figure things out more logically and coming to a conclusion and I mean, it's all a part of the same whole.
1: Um find for balance. Yeah. We're just trying to meet in the middle. Like, yeah. I think us men are trying to find more of our feminine side, us to be softer and uh, have more emotion, while uh, maybe the females um, or the women. Um, trying to like maybe also see why us men are a certain way or maybe how we can heal the wounds that make men act in unbalanced ways because um, obviously men act in an unbalanced way. It's a big conversation and, and, and to find solutions on this little conversation between you and me is a big challenge. But that's kind of like what we've up, been up to in the last three weeks even before the It's big hard not to of-
0: talk about it. Like right. it's a huge deep conversation and even right now I wonder like Am I saying the right thing? Because I've always been a huge voice for female empowerment. That has been a huge part of my journey. But I also have been, I think, more comfortable with my masculine girl. I was a very masculine kid. Like, I think I have very much like, and who knows, maybe I was masculine because of the patriarchy and I was trying to match this ideal of the patriarchy and that's a blind spot or a wound within me. But I've also felt very feminine and unheard and disrespected. And not honored, so many times, and so I have I have empathy, and um, man, it's just such a a, a weighted thing, and I think we all are navigating that, and um,
1: right, totally. Um, as a man that grew up in Peru, the country we are right now, that's a very masculine, macho country. You're supposed to be a certain way you're supposed to not touch your feminine side. To touch your feminine side is wrong, it's uh, laughed upon, and uh, I feel we miss out on something when you're just pushed into this box and not find uh, the sensitivity that comes with being uh, in, your, in the female aspect of yourself to try to empathize and see um, the other side of the coin and the, uh, the women we interact with. So that's something that I'm myself, I'm healing in myself right now and trying to learn how to become a man that can listen to women more and uh, while at the same time still standing in my uh, masculine aspect and and, uh, using that strength for good if possible and empowering uh, my female friends to also stand in their masculine aspect that has that strength and power to fight through. And the, the only way it's chapter. about that
0: sensitivity. So the only way you're going to learn it is listening to the feminine. Right. And that's 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 your way to heal. is just to open and listen to the feminine and put yourself aside and listen to the voice of the feminine within yourself and the the people around you and. Mm-hmm. Um, we it's for all it's medicine for all you know it's medicine for everyone
1: right it's a life journey and i'm very grateful for having you this week and all my female friends i think most of my friends are women these days and they have so many lessons to teach me um yeah and so let's go back to to psychedelics (laughs) which is a fun topic it's more of a fun topic uh, but it's still intertwined because we're talking about the cactus, yeah. which, is a, which is masculine energy, and the vine, which is feminine energy. Um, and we just come from two weeks of ayahuasca retreat and then uh, a week of Huachuma, San Pedro cactus in Cusco. Um, what's your reflections you found in that space of medicine?
0: Well, I think I touched on them before, and it's gonna keep bringing me back to this masculine-feminine balance because that was really the the core of what I learned through them. Like, um, I will, I do want to go into psychedelics. Of a lot of people look at my art and they're like, "Whoa, you must have psychedelics every day," and you like take psychedelics and then you paint. And I'm like, "No, dude, like, this has been a life path for me. Like, I go have a plant medicine journey." And learn from it and then I wait like a year like if I'm gonna dive deep into something it's about like integrating this experience and Like the first time I met ayahuasca, she was like thank you for waiting so long like Mm -hmm. me and I she's an ally for me It was clearly a medicine that that I was supposed to work with like as soon as I met her. It was like hey old friend Mm -hmm. Um, but but it's been really about the journey and like waiting until it's the right time and fully integrating and letting it be a part of your path instead of forcing it, instead of being like, I need to fix this and, and I just don't get burnt out. Like, just let it, let it come into your life naturally. And right.
1: And have the right intention. Also they they all have, it.
0: yeah. And listen to your deepest gut instinct and, you know. There are a lot of people out there that you can't trust and everyone has different people that they can trust. Hi, puppies. Botcha. Botcha. Um. But, like, you really have to be a sovereign being. Like, you really have to listen to your deep inner intuition. And if you feel like you can't fully listen to your deep inner intuition, it's probably not time to take plant medicine. It's probably time to, like, Develop your practice by, like, eating healthy for a while or fast or meditating and then go to it. Like, plant medicines are strong. And if you're going to be on the plant medicine journey, it's like a plant medicine journey. So, like.
1: Yeah, it's no joke.
0: It's no joke. So, like, use. don't, Don't look at it as, like, the only route to healing. It's so important and it's so powerful for so many people. But trust yourself over anybody else like don't ever and i think it goes back to to, you know don't ever give up your power for anyone or anything you know it's and at the same regard we can't have people abusing power we have to check each other all the time what's your
1: opinion on the importance of a proper shaman or guide for these plant medicine journeys <laughs> Sorry for making you these hard questions at such a hard time.
0: Uh, you know, I, I've never fully trusted a shaman. I have never fully ever trusted.
1: Not even cucho.
0: No, really? I've never fully trusted a shaman or ayahuascaro ever. Like I've been like, this feels okay, but, but it's but me waxing. and the I'm, plant. It's the plant, like it's my relationship to that plant. It's my life. It's the surroundings. It's the people I'm around. It's how I was brought into it. It's like all these other things. Um, But also like, you know, you, you should be able to trust people that claim that they are healers. Like you should. And maybe that's my own thing of I'm you know, I have trust issues, maybe. Well, it seems but like I, you're
1: more... But you're, I trust you're.
0: plants. Like, I trust plants. And I've I've been in a lot of situations where I've worked for healers and medicine men and visionaries. I've worked for these kind of people my whole life. When I lived in Guatemala, when I lived in Nicaragua, I've worked for so many of these healers. And I've loved so many of them and respected them. But I've also, like... it They're... We're humans. We're humans.
1: Yeah, everybody makes mistakes.
0: We're humans.
1: Um Well, I make you this question at a time that we've been disappointed by our own guide and uh this distrust and that you pissed. have. And, uh, and, and it, seems like not, it seems like it seems
0: like let me not deter that I am pissed and saddened and it's like fucking <laughs> shitty.
1: Yeah, me too. Well, it seems like your distrust I'm not a distrustful person. I'm a person who like <laughs> thinks that era is good for some reason and your distrust seems more uh, logical or there's more reason for it than say somebody like me who thinks I right, is good till I get disappointed and then I get embarrassed on top of it in front of everybody for believing in somebody. But uh, I still hope that, uh, oh, uh, I still hope that in, in the future we can find more guides shamans healers curanderos—whatever you want to call it that uh that can really work with these plants medicines
2: you know well,
0: why is there more darkness in shamanism let's go to it because it's an abusive power abusing power that's where we're at in our government i don't want to talk about governments right now but like abusing power is a huge thing and it's it's something that our patriarchal culture has abused power. That's part of what we're trying to tear down. Like people in power, we have to stop them from abusing our power. We need natural leaders. We need leaders that are in power because they have a heart of love and they're entrusted. And, and it's just such a shame how people in power have this ability to be sneaky. And Do
1: you think power always will corrupt? It seems like people start with good intentions as soon as they have power, they get corrupted. And as soon as they have absolute power, they get absolutely corrupted. Well, That's it's the like same.
0: power over how many people? Like, really, I think we should be living in a small village construct to where you live with a small group of people and you all know each other as humans. Like, you know each other. You've had meals together. You can trust that person. How much can you trust someone you've never met? It's so tricky. Like, what, through their social media persona, you're supposed to trust someone? Right. Like, how much can you really trust someone that you haven't hugged or you haven't shared a meal or you haven't, like... And the people that dupe you that you have done that to, that's that's evil and that needs to be worked out. Like, the people that are able to sway you in that when you have known them, like, that's just... That's the that's the scary side of humanity, you know. And
1: so, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, Ashley. How do we find the good people? All I can do is try to be a good person myself, and I'm as flawed as any other person too. And uh, yeah, but we're. I'm, I'm in I mean, all we can do is be transparent
0: well. and be the best people that we can be, and speak up if you feel uncomfortable. And speak your truth and and talk to your friends and talk to your community and support each other and love each other and don't be selfish and
1: Hmm. all right so we're at a time of a female power revival
0: fuck yeah right fuck yeah
1: And you are part of this crew called the Visionary Muses.
0: The Visionary Muses. So tell me a
1: little bit about what that is.
0: Um, The Visionary Muses have been this beautiful collective of 11 women. And we met, um, three of us met in Peru. um, And it unfolded kind of right when Corona started. I want to name them all right now, and I'm scared to miss one.
1: Just miss, name a couple. Name those first three that you made Um, on my retreat. Um,
0: Ariane, and The Metotonist, and Elisa, Vasilisa Art. And then we have Stella, and, um, Kaylee Collinson, Emily Kell, Dome Moon, Sarah Vaccarilio, um, um, Adrian, Tamar Arachne, Olivia, did I say Olivia?
1: I don't think so.
0: <laughs> missing two, and this is on the spot. Why are you doing uh, this
1: to me? Karen.
0: Karen Charles, yeah. is her birthday. Yeah, happy birthday <laughs> Karen. Happy
1: birthday. Um... Look we along, we're missing. And I'm
0: number 11. Okay, great. Yay! I, I mean, this group of women, has been so monumental in this past year it was right when corona started and we just started paint so we drew names out of a hat and we all started painting each other um and so we each did a visionary muse portrait of the other one and it was all just about female empowerment and seeing like really seeing a woman and for me you know I do like more of energetic channeling so it was like really seeing another woman in her power because women have been like almost put against each other in a way like there's this competitive edge because we're trying to like compete with this dark patriarchal system so women are trying to be like competitive when it's not in our nature at all we're here to like hold each other and rise each other up and love each other um so it's been so beautiful to have this kind of collective of women. Um, we just opened our show on the Vision Train, and it's, yeah, the Visionary Muses. Um, it's the first time a lot of us, or at least half of us, have painted portraits. So I think it, for me it was like, you know, using your art to raise up another human. Like, how beautiful is that? And how empowering. The dogs.
1: <laughs> she wants to be in. Um, um, so in this whole situation of female empowerment, you raise each other up, but you're also talking about bringing down this patriarchal structure. Um, does that mean you're against men in any way? I know the answer to this, obviously, but no. explain a little bit. Like, you know, what's what's in in the rise of female power? What's your attitude towards male uh, masculine power?
0: Well, they've abused the shit out of it, but. Every man that I have gotten to know deeply has some serious sexual trauma and wounding. And it's impossible for me to not have that in the picture. And I think so many women have been hurt by so many men. And it's it's terrible and we need to bring that out. But I do think the next wave of this is how many men have sexual trauma. And whether it's from their parents or from you know i can't touch on where it comes from but i think that's the next wave of this and and men need to you know talk to each other too and support each other and support women first and then they need to support each other and right and this there needs to be a floor for men to talk about their sexual wounding and their sexual trauma and um we all need a floor
1: yeah we're all humans we're all sensitive um I know as a man I got my own sexual traumas that are sometimes harder to bring to the light because men are supposed to be strong and men are not supposed to have these issues and you can talk it to your female friends and they can have some empathy but they don't really get you because they're not actually men and if you bring it up with a dude they might make fun of you or you know, or they might not empathize or they w- just might not want to talk to it at all. And there's really few sensitive men that I can find and speak about these things. Like, the well,
0: And it's also like, you know, your age and culturally, like, mm-hmm. it, I think it's coming more into light. And I see, you know, kids, there's so many movements that have happened in the past, like five years with, with, gender identity and gender fluidity that have really started to break this down. And I also recognize that there's a lot of new terminology and there's a lot of new ways of speaking about these things that get harder to be unified because it's, it's a constantly evolving conversation. Right. Um, and to stay on top of it can be really tricky. And so I think...
1: Yeah, as a, as a, as a guy who's in his 40s, who was born in the 70s, I feel pretty clueless about the new terms mm-hmm. and the new protocol. Well, but you
0: get less excuses because you're a public, you're a figure. And so you, it's your responsibility to research this stuff. And now, you know, it's your responsibility to like, no. And it's also, you well, know. It's,
1: I, I wouldn't say I get less excuses. I get more shit when I get it wrong because more I'm under the gun, under the, the microscope well, more for as a public person. Your
0: gut reaction was wrong. Your gut reaction was wrong, and that reveals a a mis a shadow. It re, it's a shadow, and it's a misguided. Your gut reaction was wrong, and and that is what it is. And we've all been it it happens. You know, like it happens, mm-hmm. and yeah, I've seen you. I'm not <laughs> You've okay. so proven yourself, and it's so hard for me to even transmit on here, but. I mean, come on. Like, what is it to, to see someone on social media and to, and to spend time with a person? Like, social media is a strange beast. It's a whole strange beast. And I really, really hope. And it's a way to abuse power. And it's a way to spread healing energy. And it's just such a, a new thing that we're all trying to freaking figure out. And... I just really hope that it can be used for the highest path of healing and transformation and doesn't be used for disillusion and and power struggles and fame and fortune, which that's always going to be the dark side. But I surely hope in our painting and our visionary art community, if anywhere on freaking social media, like please, man.
1: Well, you know that I've always tried to use my social media as medicine. This isn't about
0: you. This is about the whole community. Right.
1: Well, I I can only speak for myself as the person that I am. Whatever I've amassed social media-wise, I've always used it as a way for spreading my medicine, for empowering my friends, for just spreading the good word of, like, let's make the world a better place. And even with my uh, shortcomings or blind spots or miscommunications or... uh, you know, people having different opinions that your own, the intention was always good. And uh, as soon as I made a, a big mistake or, you know, as you said, like I, my gut feeling was the wrong one because I was just uh, in the wrong place or misinformed or I just don't really get the 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 situation, then the whole social media crushed on me.
0: Well, I think people thought it was like this hidden nugget of like dark character. Like you expose this like really dark side of yourself and we I mean we all have a dark we all have some darkness that needs to be brought to the light and we all have those moments of darkness but do you
1: have to be punished by the whole well, community but your I mean, difference extra is that
0: you know 200,000 people have witnessed your dark moment and that's that's your responsibility and that's your <sighs>
1: So you think i deserve to be punished (laughs) no i think it's all part of your
0: healing journey i think it's a part of your healing journey and that's just that you're serving as a you're serving as an opening for a lot of people to think twice a lot of men to think twice about what they say and how they say it and and that in itself even though you you i hope that that Gave an opening to a lot of people because a lot of positivity came from it and a lot of negativity came from it. And it's just all a part of the healing path. We're all just in this for healing. We're not in this to be popular and to do. We're all just in it to, like, do the best we can and heal the most we can and bring the most love. and.
1: Right. Well, I'm happy that whatever mistakes i might have done you know or you know suffering that was brought upon me because of it if it serves to um serve as an example for other guys of what not to do but also and to bring a some teaching feeling. moment for
0: yourself oh like, yeah hell yeah,
1: yeah. i've like learned to a show lot
0: gratitude for it and be like shit like uh, yeah okay. no i'm great
1: i'm grateful I'm, okay, ha- I'm, like, I'm happy but you know like i wish i didn't have to like go through like so many fingers coming down on me and be like, Ruh. but, you know, that's the world. And that's also my lesson of knowing that, hey, I know I'm a good person. And even if when I make mistakes, I still got to know that I'm a good person and that the fingers that others point at me shouldn't dictate how I observe myself, too. You know, because I'm like we all we all deserve a, a day or two I mean, self, where we make mistakes, you know,
0: self-love. I mean, you have to have self-love like where else? Where would you be without living? That's the core of all, it all, right? It's, it's self-love. And... All
1: and. right, so my next question is a very important one. What's the recipe for a Play-Doh cookie? What? What's the recipe for a Play-Doh cookie?
0: A Play-Doh cookie?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, That orange color that's like... <laughs> That orangey, like red, pink color. Do you know what I'm talking about? That was my favorite. It's like still my favorite. Color.
1: They were very I salty.
0: Still think of Play-Doh when I think of that, like orange, red, vibrant. Ugh, Play-Doh.
1: You put it in your paintings. <laughs> That's for sure. Tell me a little bit about the North Carolina scene. You're from North Carolina. There's a little bit of an art scene there.
0: There's a. It's a huge. I mean, we are an epic crew in Asheville I think the Asheville art scene is growing so much and we're a little bit more humble um I think we're kind of like more we're like the gnomes you know we're kind of like more in our in our homes and I think some of us have been less like business savvy in a way we're more like earth-centered kind of um Folks, but just down to earth, loving, beautiful community of people in Asheville. I'm so grateful for my Asheville art friends. Um, Should I do an Asheville artist shout out right now?
1: It's up to you. uh, If you can remember them all without feeling guilty for who you leave out.
0: Yeah, I mean, we have Gavin Gavinger and Jerry Cahill and Kaylee Collinson and Kamar Strea and Sweet Melissa, and Ryan O'Sullivan, um, just really solid, beautiful, and I'm sure I did leave someone out, but I still wanted to throw some love to that whole community, um,
1: nice, well, I know a few of those people, and I love them already, yeah, uh,
0: Annie, and Jack, and Dylan, and, um, yeah it's just it's a beautiful community and I think we were all like traveling on the road and doing festivals a bunch uh, so we didn't really have as much time to connect and I, I think now I think everyone feels this way especially people that were doing festivals I mean I worked for five years I was traveling with my booth um, from festival to festival and setting it up and I was just drained like I was connecting with so many people at every event that it was just like who so to have this year at home and like painting with a few friends and really being able to um, tap into that and knowing, you know, your tribe, getting to know your tribe and your art friends and the festival scene is beautiful and I can't wait for it to start again. But also it was, I think, important times for us all to kind of reel it in figure out what's important we can go back to that kind of scene with so much more consciousness and like think about thinking about just like being in a space with that many people at one time and how much you just let your energy fly around and you're like whoa and versus coming together again and being more conscious and being more tuned into each other and more respectful of each other and listening more it's the same lesson that keep circling through our conversation of just like listening and mm-hmm. listening and being more balanced and trying to have everyone be heard and trying to rise each other up and nice. Well, yeah. I hope
1: uh, to visit you guys out in North Carolina. Yeah, come soon. And hopefully, people don't hate me because of my big mistake.
0: No, we will. We will welcome you with open arms.
1: Thank you. Can't Appreciate wait to it. have you there. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we're coming to the end of our show. It's been a lovely conversation. Would you have some final words of wisdoms to our millions and millions of viewers watching us from all around the world?
0: You threw me so many curveballs. I hope
1: you don't mind. (laughs) I think it's important to talk about these issues. Yeah, I'm really glad.
0: And, you know, I also realize that I'm an impassioned person and I get really passionate about something. And that's something within myself to, like... Um, I have a lot of messages I want to shoot out and shoot out and like share emotion mm-hmm. <laughs> And sometimes it's about like sh- like what do I really want to say like what what is what is the core of what I'm trying to say here and like how can I say it from like the peace of my heart and how can I have passion and explosion and excitement for the world and excitement for adventure because I'm an adventurous person like I want to go out there with passion and like live life to the fullest and like adventure but I don't want to do it so much to where I lose like the specialness of just like being with the people that are close to you and being with yourself alone and being in meditation and just being at peace with yourself and Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the balance, you know, like keeping that spark and that passion and that adventure alive so that we can expand, expand the outer world, but also having that peace and that calm and that centeredness to expand the inner world and being able to have those, those two expanding together. And that's like a balance of power. That's a balance of everything we're talking about, you know, and Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if the sky actually changed because
1: I said that, but as soon it's got as old, like, pink as soon
0: stuff. as I had some like inner peace for a minute, everything just like seems more aligned. So
1: the dog stopped barking.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: thank you so much for being my guest on this podcast. Uh, thank you for coming to my home and hanging out with my parents and uh, doing this mural for me, but mostly for being my friend in general, but also mostly for being my friend at probably my most uh, difficult week of my life. Uh, It's been the most terrible, saddest week of my life. And you were a person who stood by me, was a friend despite your friends being like, what the fuck are you doing with this guy who's this or that based on uh, social media opinions. It means a lot to me when friends are truly friends uh, on the highs and on the lows. So thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for... I mean, we've been through a lot these past three weeks.
1: We're transforming into new beings.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Machu Picchu and the jungle and being at your home. And it's just been a journey. And I feel like I've gotten to see your real heart. And, you know, that. um, clearly we have... Yeah, there's paths with people, and they're here to show you different lessons, so I'm really grateful to have shared this. And
1: we annoy each other oh, quite yeah. enough.
0: Oh, I call you out, and I we can call each other out on our bullshit, and, and we can interrupt be me real. And all the
1: time, and
0: I still love you. Same, same for you, man. Yeah, we, I mean, that's real friendship. You can call each other out on your bullshit, you can be real, and you can also show love, and right. that's what it's all about.
1: Totally. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. You rule. Love you, Chris. I love you too. And uh, I love you too, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. Please like, share, comment, whatever you want. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next week. Blessings!
2: The hold of the insanity of what I call the old story of what the world is, what's real and who I am. The hold of that is so strong that without some dramatic intervention, most people carry that to their dying day or their dying weeks. Um, to loosen that hold, it does take either the imminence of death, which clears away, you know what is true and what is false what is real, and what is permanent, and unreal and impermanent, right? That death is the ultimate medicine. But usually when you are close to death, you're not gonna actually be out in the world doing very much, unless you have a near death experience, you know, or something like that, okay? So um, death, the, the, the invasion of the consciousness of death into life is one of the, maybe the most powerful psychedelic medicine. So make sure to subscribe,
1: like, and everything else. Big thanks and see you next week. Peace!